Pages of Pim Better Podcast. Greetings, Voyagers. This is the Voyages of Tim Vetter podcast. This is episode number 59, visiting every country in the world with Gunnar Garfors. If they were to make a next most interesting man in the world competition, the Dos Equis guy, you know what I'm talking about from those commercials, Gunnar would be up there for the person to, to have that mantle, to carry that moniker. He has been to every single country in the world, including Vatican City. Everything that could possibly be considered a country. And a lot of those he's gone back to. He's currently writing a book about the 25 least visited countries in the world. He has so many... I mean, I'm on his website right now. If you check out the press section, he has so many articles that were written about him, so many articles that he has contributed to. He has a really fascinating Instagram account. He has a TED Talk that's available on YouTube or on his website. His website has like a blog feature where he writes about some of the amazing things that he's done, like going to North Korea twice and um, you know what he experienced the second time that he didn't experience the first time. He's fascinating. So Gunnar did a video call with me. I'm here in New York and we did about an hour for you here of, of his stories and his message. And, and he's, he's really incredible. And I think that there's a lot that could be learned from this episode. So I hope that you, you take something away from it. Uh, check out my Instagram page, The Voyages of Tim V. When I do an episode release for this episode, I'm going to have a giveaway for one of Gunnar's books. And in October, when the new book comes out, I'm going to to do something then at that time too. But uh, right now, here in May, check out my Instagram account and you'll see very simply that you just have to comment or send me a screenshot of a podcast review or something like that. I I always make it really, really easy for you to participate and to, to get something for free. You can also support this podcast on Patreon. That is patreon.com slash the voyages of Tim Vetter. It's a subscription-based service. You can give a dollar a month. You can give $10 and upwards. And that will go into travel costs, production costs, and getting you more content. So uh, if you can't, hey, that's cool. Just appreciate you for listening. I love everyone that reaches out and contacts me. So um, you could do that as well if, if you want to participate in the podcast experience in that way. All right, folks, this one is 59, like I said, and it is Gunner Garfors. Hope you enjoy it. And as always, take care of each other. Well, listen, Gunnar, first of all, thank you so much. Uh, first of all, given your schedule and given all the, the possible outlets that you could be putting content out on, thank you for, for trusting in me to, to, to have you on the podcast. Um, uh, so, listen, you have a TED Talk under your belt, a book. You've visited every country in the world. You have another book coming. When, when you meet someone for the first time and they say something like, what do you do? How does someone like you answer that question? <laughs> I, uh, well, it all depends on who you talk to, I guess, but um, travel usually comes up as part of the conversation. And I mean, normally I work with um, broad, uh, Broadcasting, Norwegian Broadcasting Corporation. It's like the BBC of Britain, only a little bit smaller or a lot smaller. Yeah. Uh, so it's also the public broadcaster for, for Norway. So there I work with radio. So that's, so that's usually what I say. And eventually, you know, if, if the person is interested in travel, we, we pretty much most of the time get, get in. You know, we, we get onto that issue as well somehow. <laughs> Which is really interesting because despite the fact that you've been extensively traveling, you've been to every country in the world, you essentially still have your day job. 
I do, I do indeed, and that's how I finance my traveling for for the main part. Um, for my book, the, the book I'm currently writing, I, I received um, a grant from the Norwegian Author Association. So that helped me take six months off work and, and, and help me finance the book and, and the traveling. Uh, but except for that, you know, I'm, I'm spending all my money on, on my trips around the world and um, not on, well, I mean, that doesn't leave much money to anything else, really. So uh, <laughs> I've, I've decided to spend money on, on my experiences and on, you know, stories, uh, meeting people, seeing countries and experiencing cultures, trying food, instead of buying, you know, designer clothing or um, cars or, um, you know, expensive art and stuff like that. So, so that's, um, that's how I waste my money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which which is um, you know that's been a consistent theme of the of the podcast. I'm actually about to to step out of my career type of a job and, and to travel for an extensive amount of time, and it for me here in America that sort of a lifestyle is starting to catch on a bit, um, but still is not the traditional nine to five, have a family and kids, save for your four hundred one k, retire, and that sort of thing. Um, I'm curious about the culture in Norway, if what you're doing is seen as something non-traditional and, and maybe like uh, not the, the safe uh, path through life that most people take. It's uh, certainly a bit on the extreme side, I'd say, um, but it's probably, uh, you probably see a little bit of the same here. More and more people travel, they want to, if not see every country in the world, they, they still want to travel a lot, maybe for a year or two years, or maybe they want to see every European country or every Asian country. And some people are, are more into experiencing something particular, maybe they want to run a marathon in, in, in 20 or 50 countries. Uh, but, you know, some form of country counting or country collecting uh, seems to um, to be, let's say, on trend these days. I and mean, it's more widespread now, uh, for sure, than, than what it was uh, only five or ten uh, years ago, and certainly 15, 20 years ago. Yeah, I would imagine, so essentially, in my mind, uh, no one can complain that they don't have time to travel if they are comparing themselves with you because you are working a career and you are fitting in an amazing life on top of that. Um, I'm curious about like any sort of self-discipline or anything like that. Like, do you stick to, to schedules? Do you uh, choose not to hit like the party streets in countries that you go to? How, how do you manage to get all this work done? travel I tend not to plan much of course I need my tickets to get there uh, in some instances I, I book a hotel uh, but normally unless I, I unless I arrive late at night uh, or I'm going to a very busy city such as London or New York where, where um, hotels are uh, usually sold out so if you just um, you know uh, get there and, uh, without anything booked but usually I, I like to uh, sort of get a feel of, of the town or the city the village uh, to sort of find out uh, in which area I, I sort of uh, fit in or I, I like it. Um, and um, you never know with, with hotels, uh, you have all these websites, of course, you have TripAdvisor, you have Booking.com, you have Momondo, you have all these others where, where people give uh, yeah, the ratings and all the rest of it. Uh, but when you travel to some odd places uh, that I tend to, to, tend to, to do, you, um, these, these hotels are not bookable online, mm -hmm. most of them and they're not reviewed, typically. So then I, I really want to see for myself, uh, especially in some, what should I say, um, countries off, off, sort of off the beaten track. It's, uh, it's nice to see. And suddenly, you know, you don't know these things. Suddenly you end up uh, next door to, to a mosque, um, and I mean, I don't have any problems with, with any religion, um, but I have a problem with uh, <laughs> being awake and <laughs> a call to prayer, morning, yeah. <laughs> and eating morning prayers. Uh, it might be next door to a discotheque or, or a nightclub, you know. So I can't, you can't get any sleep until three o'clock. So if you have, if you have a disco on one side and a mosque on the other, you're you're really out of luck. Yeah. <laughs> you also want to see, you want to check out, uh, you know, whether it's clean, um, whether there is running water, and all these things. So I typically ask to see the room uh, before I decide to to stay in a hotel. 
Let's, I, I have a few specific places that I'm really curious to ask you about, but let's sort of start at the beginning where traveling started for you. Exchange student in Indiana, in the United States, in uh, well, 92-93. That was the first time I um, I travelled alone. Um, of course, I, I had a host family and all the rest of it, and I was taking around uh, the United States to quite a few places, and that really made me, um, you know, I really loved that experience. And then when I got back uh, home, I um, I went around Europe with a friend. Uh, doing interrail, which means you buy one pass, uh, a rail pass, and you can travel, you know, without any extra additional costs on, on any train around Europe. Uh, and you know, then we saw quite a few countries. Um, then I, I, played, I played football or soccer, as you call mm. it, for, for quite a few years, and I spent all my uh, holidays on on, on, on football. Um, so I didn't really travel all that much until, um, well, let's say 2004. Uh, when my brother Einstein and myself, we uh, we went to Kazakhstan and Kyrgyzstan in Central Asia, and um, these are two out of seven Stan countries. And and the impression they made on us, and, and particularly myself, but it was immense. You know, and the hospitality, there were almost no tourists there. Uh, the natural beauty, uh, sort of the, the different way of life that you know compared to what I was used to in, in, in the West. Um, so I decided then in 2004. To, to visit every Stan country, all seven of them. Mm. Um, when I finished this sort of quest in 2008, uh, I, I decided to, to go for the rest of, of, of the world's countries. And uh, so it sort of gradually um, started, uh, I guess, this, this fascination of traveling, of seeing other people and, 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 you know, cultures and all the rest of it. And, and maybe the best thing about it all is, is realizing that, you know, you and me, uh, and most of us in, in the Western world, we are essentially living inside a bubble. We have a democracy, we have pretty good infrastructure, we can afford to travel and all these things. And, and we sort of take them for granted. And then you visit uh, you know, African countries, uh, South American countries, Asian countries, uh, or countries in the Pacific, and realize how lucky we are. And, and just seeing that, you know, that really humbles you down. And I mean, if it doesn't, you, um, I, I, I don't know, then, then I think you're a lost case. You know, if, if not even traveling to these countries will, will make you, you know, yeah, a little bit more humble at least, then um, there's probably something wrong with you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and, and that's one of the, the takeaways that I've had from travel too. Uh, I'm, I'm super curious about, you had written an article about two separate trips to North Korea. Uh, obviously, North Korea has been in a lot of headlines lately, but I'm wondering about your um, ideas about North Korea before going there and after going there, if your experiences supported those initial thoughts uh, and kind of what you went through while you were there. Well, before I went the first time, uh, that must have been 2000 and, uh, yeah, when was that? I think that's uh, 2005, I think. Um, before I went there for the first time, I had heard whatever uh, everybody else hears, mm. that it's, um, you know, it's uh, more or less a crazy country, to, to be blunt. Um, when I went there for the first time, I, I realized that um, going to North Korea, it redefines your own definition of, of what a country is what a country can be. Um, it, it just blew my mind. I had no, um, you know, I, I had my certain expectations. I knew it would be uh, unlike probably anything I'd ever seen. Uh, but, but, you know, I had no idea that that was even possible. Um, when I went back eight years later, uh, last year, it's um, it opened up perhaps a little bit. Um, some people there have access to, uh, to, to your internet. Um, the guides, and of course, you have guides. This is one out of three countries in the world where you need guides, as in plural, because uh, they don't only look after you; they only look after each other, uh, so that um, so that you know that they don't interact too much with with foreigners and, um, and understand what's actually happening outside North Korea. If you talk to normal people, they, normal people, uh, they. Um, you know, they haven't heard about, you know, Madonna. They haven't heard about uh, any politicians, you know, Elvis uh, Presley. They probably haven't even heard about, you know, you can mention any superstar and they, they've never heard about this, these people. Um, so they're totally isolated and, 
and then you have this system um, which, um, well, it, it you know it, it punishes you if your parents or your grandparents have done something bad in the eyes of the government. You know, uh, so it, it doesn't have to do with only you. I mean, you, your parents or grandparents, if they did something wrong, they want to protest or whatever, then you're out of luck. You know, you can never um, go beyond a certain threshold in terms of career career wise. So I, I don't know. It, 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 it's I still recommend people definitely to go there, um, to go with an open mind, and maybe to combine it with uh, a more of a traditional uh, holiday destination. You know, maybe to finish off on on, on a beach. You know, to uh, to clear your mind after all all the impressions you will you will get it in North Korea. But it's um it's it's for sure interesting, and we'll see now uh, there. There are some positive signs with uh, with uh, regards to South Korea and uh, maybe opening uh, the borders to a certain degree. Uh, hopefully this will happen. I, I really believe uh, the people of North Korea deserve that. Yeah, you wrote that upon appearance, you know, you're kind of in- indistinguishable from another Westerner and possibly could be American for someone who doesn't know you. Uh, were you looked at suspiciously or, you know, did, did folks put on a show for you to try to make it seem like life was better there? Um, well, everything there is a show, mm-hmm. um, especially in Pyongyang where the elite lives and, and the sort of the lucky ones live. Um, you, you can you can go to um, certain other towns, but wherever you go, um, the guys are, um, you know, they're careful. Um, they make sure you see what you're supposed to see. Um, so I, I don't think people put on as much of a show as they did probably uh, the first time I was there or even earlier. Um, but a lot of, of stuff you see is, is certainly staged. Um, uh, being, as I wrote about, being seen as an American, I, you know, of course you in the United States are seen as, as the evil country number one. Uh, so the United States is, is the enemy. Um, I saw uh, propaganda posters uh, where, you, where you have a big hand on, on the map of the, uh, the United States of America crushing uh, uh, an American soldier. And this is propaganda on the main street, you know, you yeah. see these kind of images. Uh, so the United States and Americans are really being portrayed as, as the enemy. Um, and I guess I could pass as an American and, and I, I had some nasty looks um, from from a number of people. And I never, I didn't experience that the first time I was there. Um, of course, now, again, uh, there might be some positive um, development there with regards to, um, to um, well, opening up to the United States, South Korea, Japan, and all the rest of it. But, uh, yeah, being American, um, you, you will be totally safe as long as you follow the rules. Uh, you have the, the unfortunate incident uh, with, with uh, warm beer, also warm beer, uh, that, that died there. He was taken into custody. And, you know, yeah, you've had some prisons there, Americans. So, but, you know, if you follow all the rules, as you should do in any country you visit, uh, whether they were informal or formal rules, um, if you do that, uh, North Korea is actually the most... Um, it's the safest country you can visit as a tourist because wow. you're so well looked after. Looked after. Yeah. And there is virtually no no traditional crime, petty, petty crime or, or, or violence, uh, unless of course you count uh, state-run violence, and, and, and probably you should. But that doesn't happen to to foreigners, especially not if, if you um, obey by the rules. Yeah, interestingly, one of the other three countries where you have to have a chaperone of sorts is Bhutan. I have not been to Bhutan, but it is coming up pretty soon, and I'm excited about it. Uh, they are, you know, the, the self-proclaimed happiest country in the world. Uh, and, and I'm curious about if, if you felt like your, uh, your guide or your chaperone was there to preserve the culture, or, I mean, is there something that you're not supposed to be seeing? In, in Bhutan, uh, there it's more like uh, part of the package. Mm. It seems like they're, uh, you know, they're, they're, it helps benefit their um, their economy, or so they seem to think. Because uh, you have to pay your your trip in advance before going there, and your package will then include uh, your guide, a driver, uh, accommodation, all meals, and all the rest of it. So the only thing you need money for there is, is souvenirs uh, and, and alcoholic drinks. Um, or if you want to do some 
uh, sorts of excursions that are not planned. But but you know you're you're supposed to sort of agree on a tour in advance and pay for everything in advance. So it's, it seems to be more more like uh, a way of um, uh, which is of preserving very you know or, or uh, boosting their economy. I'm, I'm not quite sure, but I never had the. Um, the idea that I, there was something I was not allowed to see, and in, in the capital, Thimphu, um, I, I walked alone. I, I was allowed to to walk around on my own. Um, so it seems to be more like a, a way of uh, making sure you, you, you uh, you're taken care of, and uh, more like a almost like a service. Uh, so in, in the capital, you should be you should be fine on your own if you want to. Um, outside, you 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 have to have a guide with. You. But here it's only one guide. You, you don't have two guides, so they're certainly not uh, yeah. uh, looking after each other, um, as is the case in, in North Korea. It's interesting. One of the reasons that I asked about um, sort of the preservation is that um, you are part of kind of like a global movement towards traveling and travel media. I, I guess I'm part of it to a much lesser extent than you, um, but I can think specifically about there are some places in, in Vietnam that I like to go to. And now, uh, like in, in, in Saigon, there's the, the lady who served Anthony Bourdain's soup. And then in, in Hanoi, there's the place he got bun cha with Barack Obama. And like the, the table he sat at is like encased in, inside of plastic now. And you know, I'll, you also see um, certain cultures traveling to, to new countries and not Observing the the host country's culture and things like that, uh, I wonder if you if you see all of this um, travel media and blogging and things like that as as a good thing, or if there's the potential for it to be doing some harm. Well, essentially, I think it's it, traveling is good because it it, it makes people open their eyes. Um, it makes them realize what people are like in other countries. It should lower the risk of, of uh, conflict and war on, on, a, on a big level, a governmental level, uh, but also um, increase understanding between uh, cultures, religions, uh, and across borders. And I think that's really, a, really a good thing. Uh, but when I've said that, unfortunately, a lot of people who travel they only uh, hang around with other travelers, mm. uh, maybe other travel, only other travelers from their own country. Uh, so the only people they speak to, you know, among locals, are other people they meet in restaurants or, uh, you know, even employees in restaurants and in hotels. Um, and then you're sort of defeating, in my opinion, the purpose of traveling. Uh, if if you um, if you don't seek uh, to to meet the people who actually live there, so um, and I, I guess when it comes to travel, a lot of people are. You mentioned some examples in, in Vietnam. A lot of people are like sheep. You know, you, you have you're going to see that particular. Uh, statue or monument. You're going to go to Harlem Bay. You're going to see that. You know, eat in the restaurant where where Barack Obama was eating and all the rest of it. Um, if you read guidebooks, especially the the most popular ones, you know, Lonely Planet, you might and, and you follow what's what's written there. You sort of end up um, walking in. Um, it's sort of like a theme park. You know, you go from attraction number one to attraction number two to attraction number three. Yeah, you stay in that hotel, which is recommended. You eat in that restaurant, and you don't. Don't have to be a brain surgeon or you know or a rocket scientist if you own one of these restaurants or hotels uh, you realize that wow i'm getting a lot more traffic a lot of more foreigners so, okay i'm going to increase my my prices by let's say 50 percent and yeah, and you can of course argue that but that's not a problem i can afford it you know i'll support the local economy but by doing that he or she will uh, scare away every local um, customer because prices have hiked uh, so you end up eating or, or you know dining or, or you know being in the same hotel as only a lot of other foreigners, and then you walk in sort of this almost like a guided tour. Of course, it's not, but it, it turns out the same way because you walk, you do the same route as everybody else, and you see nothing else. You speak to only the restaurant here, and, and you know, and you speak to other or, or other tourists. So yes, it, it can be a negative. I think when if if you do exactly what. Uh, everybody else did. 
And you know, you have some sites that are world class, and you have to see them. I know Petra, maybe Jordan. You have Machu Picchu. You have some other some other examples, pyramids, uh, and so on. Uh, so, so when I read these uh, these articles or, or or guidebooks, I never read guidebooks as as uh, you know as a rule. But of course, if, if I find one, I never buy one. But if I find one, then I read it to find out what not to do. You know, so as I use it the other way, use, I use it the other way around. Um, so, so I, and I think it's great with advice um, from other travelers. But if everybody follows that advice, so if you follow the most popular blogger or the most popular person on social media and do exactly the same as she does or he does, then um, and only that, then I, I think you're on, on onto the wrong track. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. Is there a point where you consider a country uh, visited, like? Uh, obviously, just just stepping foot in the in the country. I'm assuming you're not counting that as one of the what 195 countries that you've been to. Um, is there a certain thing you want to accomplish in each place, or does it vary? No, it totally varies. Yeah. But I, I need to, my rule has, so far has been I, I need to have a story to tell. Mm. I mean, I need to interact with people. You know, preferably I, I have several meals there. Uh, it's it's nice to stay several days, of course, uh, but your budget might uh, not allow that. But I mean, I think you should at least spend you know a day or two, ideally a week. But you know, in order to you should do something. You know, and, and stepping your foot off a plane, being only in an airport um, or in a train running through a country or in a train station. I mean, I I, I would not uh, I would not count that as, as having been in, in a country. Um, and of course, uh, it's tempting to do so, you know, if there is a country which is far away, you know, and you've been to, to all the others in, in the area, it's tempting to count that country, even if you only landed there, maybe. Uh, but that sort of defeats the purpose of traveling. I mean, what's the point saying you've been to country if you've been near port? Right. I mean, seriously, what's the point? You've done nothing there. Um, and to me, if you don't have a story to tell, if you have no experience from the country, um, then it's... it's um, it's all about bragging for the purpose of bragging. There's no point. Um, and um, you've seen some people in the media that receive lots of PR, um, and they say they've been to every country or claim they've been to every country, and then it turns out some of them, they haven't even left the airports, mm. uh, which is fine. You know, they, they might follow Guinness World Records rules, and, and according to those rules, you, you don't actually need to leave the airports, perhaps. Um, but... I guess if you're doing it only for a world record, that's fine. Um, at the same time, traveling, it, 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 there are so many possibilities to that. If you just run through it, I, I think I really don't think that uh, makes much. Um, it doesn't make make much sense. Yeah. And then if you if you if you ask these some of these people, uh, I'm not going to mention any names. <laughs> if you ask some of these people. Um, and they've been to every country, they claim to have been to every country, and they count like 10 airports for, for country visits. And then they're asked, so what are, what are the best countries in the world? Uh, and they answer these questions, and, and they make these lists and all the rest of it, uh, but how can they say that? They, they have never been outside the airport in, in maybe 10 or 20 or 30 countries. So, so you know, fair enough for, for a world record, uh, but then portraying or pretending that you, you actually know something about um, all these countries, I think that's, um, that, that's pushing it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Are there, can you think of a country that you visited and you realized that our perception whether it's in the West or even on a, on a global sense, our perception of that country is just totally off? Um, yes, pretty much every country that's um, in the media a lot, um, particularly, particularly in particular when it comes to um, um, areas of conflict. I just came back now from, from Yemen, uh, from Libya and Afghanistan. Uh, we're in all those three in, in April. And... Um, all you hear about is, is bombs, grenades, terrorist attacks, and all the rest of it. You know, um, how many people were killed, and all the rest of it. And then what you end up with then is, is sort of scaring the viewers. I mean, the viewers or listeners or readers all over the world, uh, in a sense that they believe because that's the only thing they hear. You know, yeah, yeah. The clashes today in Israel in, or, or in Gaza in, in Palestine on the border between Israel and Palestine. You know, that's pretty much what you hear about. Some people were killed, or a lot of people were killed, um, and you assume that that's all that matters. That that all that, that's all that's happening there. 
Uh, same with Afghanistan. You have, you, unfortunately, you have a lot of, of bombs going off uh, these days. And then you assume, well, that, that must be a dreadful country. It must be horrible. It must be a warlike country. And, um, and it's not, you know, it, it, some of these countries have, um, have, have experienced hospitality second to none. Yeah, it's been amazing. You know, there might be farmers, they, they have one hen, um, and, you know, and this hen produces eggs. And then I, I, I get there and they insist on killing the hen in order to make me dinner. And I say, no, 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 no. And I try to protest, no, no, come on, you're, you're taking away your, your egg machine, essentially. Yeah. You know? And but still, they insist on, uh, since I'm a guest, they are, uh, they're going to kill their only hen and, and, uh, in order to, to give me one meal, which is, which is awful. You know? uh, I mean, it, it, hospitality is amazing, but, but come on. <laughs> no, I know what you mean. Yeah. It, it almost, it almost made, me, made me cry, you know, just, um, and, you know, regretting almost visiting this, this family that's sort of ruining their part of their life in order to, to be seen as a good host. Uh, but um, the moment you step outside, go away from the front line, or, you know, go away from, from the areas of conflicts, and you meet people, normal people, you always see a totally different story. So um, so any, any country that's a lot in the media for, for negative uh, reasons, uh, all of these countries, and there are way too many of them, but, but all of these will, will blow your mind in, in one way or another. And I'm not saying you should go or your listeners should go to uh, countries at war. Um, I mean, if you really want to go to Afghanistan, maybe you should wait a while or you should at least go to, to one of the safe provinces. Um, but, um, but just realize, I mean, keep an open mind that um, the people there are not uh, the way they are in your head after reading and listening to loads of, of war reports. Yeah, it's funny. Somebody had posted something. It maybe it was even you, um, but it was a picture of a beach. It was like white sand beaches. It looked amazing, and it said something to the effect of like you would never guess that this was Syria, right? And you know you juxtapose that with Aleppo, and you know that's what we see here in the media about Syria. Like that is the country. The war zone is the country. Uh, when yeah, that is not true. Um, you have. I hope it's okay that I could uh, read a, a quote that you have, um, and, and people will be able to find uh, all of the, all of your, your your website, your social media, and stuff like that. They'll be able to find that in the show notes. But you have um, a quote here that I'm going to read from from 2015 about why terrorism should not stop you from traveling. So I'll, I'll take a quick second to read this. Let not terrorists stop us from roaming this world seeking experiences and learning to know, understand, and appreciate other cultures. Because travel generates a mutual understanding like no other method known to mankind. In between individuals, cultures, nations, religions, and faiths. I truly believe that this world will be a better place if more people travel, interact with each other, and are open to thoughts different to their own. That can only lead to more respect, more friendship, and more mutual smiles. It's it's an interesting quote because it's something that uh, I, I haven't been yet, uh, but I haven't been to, to a war-torn country. But I talk a lot about Vietnam because I keep going back there. It's a place that I love. Um, and when you're there and you're in the War Crimes Museum, you know, uh, which are an indictment of the United States and their involvement in the war and the awful things that happened, uh, it's quite embarrassing um, you know, to, to be a white American in that setting. And I always kind of thought, well, well, maybe there's going to be the shadow of the war, even though we're now 40 years uh, from the end of the war, maybe, yeah, right, 40, 45 years, maybe the shadow of it will be there and people will be unfriendly. But no, like, if, if people have reciprocated the friendliness that I've put out uh, in places that even have a negative uh, history or, or I'm coming from a place where the connotation is, is, is not so great. Um, so yeah, I'm just kind of kind of hammering home that point that you made. Uh, but my last question about that is, for a place like Yemen, how do you travel there? Do you have to organize a fixer? Do you need um, do you need to be traveling with someone in country? Well, Yemen right now is quite uh, complicated. I travel there as a, as a fix uh, with a fixer. Mm. Um, Yemen is one of the countries I'm writing about for my book, which is about the least visited countries in the world. And um, so, so, so there I traveled uh, um, as a writer, 
using. Uh, I'm originally a journalist, so I have I have a press card so using this press card, uh, and I had to apply to uh, the government, the media authorities in Yemen, uh, in order to get a permit to to go there. Um, but you have a loophole, so to speak, in Yemen. You have the island of Socotra, which is uh, well, it's what is it, 200 kilometers? Uh, what is that in miles? So, you know, uh, <laughs> 130 miles or something like that. Something like that. Uh, yeah. Away from the mainland of, of Yemen, and that's um, as one of the most spectacular islands in the world. It, it, it's oh. so dramatic. You have you have plants you will see nowhere else. Um, the landscape, the beaches, it, it, it's it's unreal. And to Socotra, you can um, normally you can go there as a tourist, and you can even get a visa on arrival if you organise this this in in advance. Uh, so if, if you um, do some online searches, you will you'll find a couple of companies that will help you go to, um, to that part. You also have the possibility of entering uh, from Oman. Just make sure you have a double entry visa to Oman, otherwise you're, you'll be stuck uh, <laughs> on the border wow. and leaving Yemen again. Yeah. Um, so that province just across the border is also safe. Um, there's not too much to see there, but I mean, you have some small villages and some, and some small towns and with hotels and all the rest of it. And again, people there are, are extremely friendly and is considered a, a safe province. So that's another possibility. And, and they will actually let in um, uh, tourists, but you, you, you need a visa usually, um, usually in advance. Uh, sometimes you can get it on the border, but that that's not official policy. So you might be you might be able to get one on the border uh, from Oman, but um, it, it's probably better to get uh, get a visa in uh, in Oman uh, or one of the other embassies. And were you advised about you know neighborhoods or places that this is getting too close to a scary situation, or these are the places that you shouldn't be? which is in the south and that's uh, it's been calm there it's been stable there for, for quite a few months now um, so I was taken around with the fixer all over the all over the place and um, I had a, a few questions about some um, some interviews and, uh, and stuff stuff like that uh, that he, he advised uh, advised me not to do okay. and you know if I'd been really pushing it he could he, he would have organized it um, but um, it would yeah to, to interview an ISIS, you know ISIS warrior was not something he recommended me to do for instance um, so, so, so you know, I sort of um, took that away from my itinerary. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Uh, yeah, Arden was was very stable when I was there. Uh, unfortunately, you have some uh, attacks on on uh, imams. I mean, religious leaders, uh, local uh, religious leaders, and that's still ongoing. Um, but but as as um, you know, as a foreigner there, uh, and especially with with my fixer, he, who's a local, he knows everybody. Uh, it, it, I felt totally safe, and uh, even in even in Yemen. Uh, but if, if you want to go to Sanaa, the capital, it's a totally different story. And it's a tribe society um, historically, so um, it all depends on whether you know the right people. In certain areas, you need to know someone from the right tribe, uh, otherwise you're uh, much more likely to get in trouble uh, or even possibly even get kidnapped and, and, and all the rest of it. So, uh, so yes, Yemen it is a beautiful country, very diverse. Uh, and I, I really hope, and, and there's a really bad humanitarian um, catastrophe in, in parts of Yemen where there is little or, or no food and, and very little water. So, um, so I really hope that will. Um, uh, I really hope uh, they'll they'll be able to sort uh, sort that out relatively soon. Do you have um, family and friends and loved ones who are concerned when you travel to places like that? But she doesn't really do concern, so that's uh, that's lucky <laughs> for me. <laughs> no, she's uh, she's uh, she usually joins me pretty much everywhere. Oh wow. As long as I can guarantee her that she won't be shot, you know. And to to Yemen, I uh, you know, for instance, I uh, it was a little bit hard to make that guarantee. <laughs> so <laughs> so, uh, but now we travel a lot together um, as well. Uh, but typically to to more let's say traditional countries. I don't know Madagascar, for instance, or Cape Verde. Mm. Um, I don't know, Armenia, and, and um, so still a little bit maybe off the beaten track, but um, yeah, not war zones. Um, and I, and as well, I was when I was writing writing a book, you know, it, it's um, um, I, I spend my time trying to, to get in touch with people and do interviews. So it's it's not 
perhaps the best setting for uh, for for a trip with your uh, with with your girlfriend and her boyfriend. Um, I also have uh, loads of brothers and sisters. I've got three brothers and three sisters, and, and uh, my parents. Um, they live here in Norway as well. Um, I tend not to tell them when I go to, for instance, <laughs> Afghanistan. Uh, <laughs> um, I, I, you know, it's um, unfortunately people will worry, uh, especially when you go to to countries um, at war, and a lot of this is, is because of the uh, pretty one-sided um, stories, or the one-sided stories we get through the media. Um, so, but, but nevertheless, that's that's how it works. Uh, people. Uh, understandably worry when, when you tend to go to these countries. So um, quite often they don't know where I am or even if even that I am traveling. But uh, uh, no, you know, I um, uh, we, we share experiences in, um, after, after these trips. So <laughs> it's interesting. I, I try to send them some postcards to them every once in a while. I, I just sent my, uh, my dad and my mom uh, they're divorced, so I sent I sent one card to each of them from uh, Tuvalu in the Pacific and from Nauru. And the one from uh, Tuvalu, it took it took eighty five days to wow. reach uh, Norway. So that's uh, <laughs> that's a quite quite some time. <laughs> Tuvalu is is an atoll, right, in the South Pacific. That's right. Uh, around uh, a little bit less, around ten thousand people. It's actually the most difficult country in the world to to visit transport wise, uh, transport wise, because you only have three, uh, sometimes four planes a week, and oh. they're only propeller planes, and you can only fly there from from Fiji or from Kiribati. So uh, there's a new airline now, or not a new airline, but uh, um, Kiribati Air. Uh, they just started a new route uh, only a couple of months ago from from Kiribati. Before then, you could only fly there from from Fiji, and I was actually stuck there for for four days because the plane um, had um, well, the plane had a, an engine fire, so it was grounded for four days. What? I was stuck there for four four additional days. Um, so so that was good, I guess, for my book, but it screwed up my uh, my schedule in in the South Pacific. <laughs> wow. The, the book is a brilliant idea. Um, I'm wondering if there are are commonalities or if there's lessons that you learned um, kind of held in common from those 25 least visited countries, whether it's, hey, it should be visited more. Uh, like, what were your, I know the book's coming out, so I don't want to spoil anything, but what were some of your major takeaways from, from doing this? general rule, yes, all of these countries should be visited more. Uh, some of them are uh, are at civil war, or, or they have uh, atrocities, or you know, terrorism, uh, lots of instances of terrorism. So, uh, some of them, most most people should probably wait um, until things calm down. Uh, but, you know, countries like, um, I'm not going to mention all of them, but let's say uh, Yemen, for instance, already mentioned an amazing country. Uh, incredible sceneries. Uh, yeah, yeah, Tuvalu. It's it's a small atoll, uh, but it's also the, probably the first country to disappear in, in case of global warming yeah. and increasing sea levels. So you already have a lot of, of um, uh, researchers uh, working on, on climate change and all the rest that, that travel there. Um, and you know, to go there, it really puts things in perspective. You know, this is the first place that uh, you know is going to vanish, and you have, it's an entire country. And, you know, thousands and thousands of people, and they, they live in this little society where you can, you know, you can cross the country in, 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 uh, in two seconds, you know, in parts of one of the atolls in Finofuti, the main atoll. Uh, or if you go from the other direction, it's going to take you, it's like, where is it? 10 kilometers maybe from one end to the other, wow. seven, seven miles or so. so. So, you know, this is one of, one of the atolls. The, the, the total size of Tuvalu is 26 square kilometers. I, I don't know what's the, what that is a square miles but it's, it's probably one third of Manhattan or something you know maybe even less than that it, it is tiny and that's a country in, in the middle of, in the middle of the Pacific you know there's a there's an ocean on every side and still it's 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 amazingly beautiful you have these assholes you have the green water the colors are, are you know magic magical colors and uh, you know you should really go out to some of the outer islands uh, then again that can be quite trickery uh, tricky <laughs> because the boat 
it's only run uh, once every two weeks to some some of the other islands. So you know, in that case, you probably need to, to organize your own transport. But uh, yeah, it's, it's, so I think you know, in, in order to open your eyes to travel to to please visit the countries, it's a really good idea. Uh, if that's too scary for you, um, I don't, I'm not talking about you. I know you you're traveling everywhere, uh, but but some of your listeners. If that's too scary. Um, well, maybe go to uh, to another less visited place. Maybe not Spain. How about Georgia? Not the state of Georgia, but the country. Or maybe not France, but but Armenia. You know, maybe think a little bit outside uh, what what is considered normal, and you know, run away from that herd of sheep. You know, try to try to 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 find your own destination. So I, you know, and they don't have to be the least visited, but maybe less visited than than many of the others. Yeah, I like it. When you were in Tuvalu, did you have those types of discussions with people, like? With rising sea levels within 50 years, this country might be gone, and, and, and where are people going to go, and what are they going to do? Well, people there are, um, let's say, they're, they're quite uh, optimistic, mm-hmm. and um, um, they, they, they sort of always have a plan B, you know, sort of building walls and all the rest of it, but, you know, you, you can't really that's, that's going to be difficult you know you're going to have very little left to live on uh, the people are they're still very optimistic saying this is the, well, this is the worst case scenario and uh, they're trying to uh, to influence the global uh, society as much as they can and, and, and try to slow down uh, you know or, or try to slow down um, increasing sea, level, sea levels and global warming uh, and such um, so they're trying to do it through uh, diplomacy and I mean <laughs> there are only 10 thousand people in Tuvalu, so yeah. they can't really go to, to war against That's the rest crazy. of the world and, and force people to, to stop polluting. Uh, but, but going there, it really opens your eyes. And um, and people are really realistic as well. They, are, um, they know they're living there in the middle of the Pacific, and they know they might have to leave at, at one point, maybe 20 or 30 years down the line. And um, of course, there will be other countries that are willing to take them. Uh, maybe and Kiribati, one of the other islands there, island countries there, they have bought some land in uh, in Fiji uh, where they can possibly relocate to or, or grow vegetables if needed. So you're seeing some outlines of Plan Bs and plans Plan Cs, uh, but people are still quite optimistic in uh, in, in Tuvalu and Kiribati. At least the people I, I spoke to, and most of them are sort of saying that lots of this is is actually propaganda in order to. Uh, uh, to open people's eyes, uh, and that's not a good thing uh, mm-hmm. if they're lying about it, because because then people are you know they're ignoring it even more. That's like crying wolf wolf, and uh, yeah. It's interesting. Answers your question. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was gonna say when I started this podcast, I was like, okay, I'm gonna talk about um, fun and exciting travel stories that I've done, and it will be more uh, entertainment focused, I guess maybe is the way to say it. Um, but I started having people on. I, I, I had a woman named Consolina Shimwe, who's a Rwandan genocide survivor. I, I've had folks who've done some really important work around the world. And I've seen how it's kind of impossible to avoid a conversation about travel, travel at least done the way I think is right, and have it not be political. I mean, even in this conversation here, we've, we've talked about uh, social issues, we just talked about an environmental issue. Um, and I would imagine someone like you, having been literally everywhere, has been able to glean a lot from that and to, and to really educate yourself on, on world politics and issues. Is there any, has there ever been interest from the Norwegian government in terms of like ambassadorship or uh, consulting or anything like that about world affairs? So I declined a couple of ambassadorships. No, <laughs> no, that was a joke. That was a joke. <laughs> no, no, there hasn't. Uh, that would be fun. I, I wish there were. Mm. Um, and again, I, I really think people um, learn so much from traveling. Uh, yes, about the world, but also about yourself uh, as a traveler. Uh, you know, you know, realizing what you will do in, in lots of situations you can never foresee. Um, but, but yeah, you know, speaking as I do, I, I speak at conferences. I, I speak for for pupils. I speak for students. I speak at old people's homes. You know, where and um, 
I, I I try to not only speak about the fun part of traveling, you know, right. because it's a serious issue in, in many ways. It, it's about other people and, and uh, other countries, other cultures. And uh, so, so I try, you know, my uh, speeches are usually pretty light-hearted, but, light-hearted, uh, but I try to have um, a serious issue, um, you know, at the core as well. Um, and I think that that's open up, that opens up for more people to ask questions questions um, than, than perhaps they would otherwise do and it leads to lots of discussions and you know some people they don't ask questions um, during the, the, the speech or just after the speech but they typically come up, come up to me afterwards because you know maybe they're afraid of speaking to in front, in front of a crowd or whatever but it, it really opens up um, a lot of discussions and, and that's one of the reasons why I actually do speak at conferences. It's it's order to it's in order to make people maybe think a little bit beyond going to the strip, you know, going to the uh, to the next whiskey bar or whatever, <laughs> and, and only having fun. Um, and again, as I saw, as I said earlier, if you don't speak to locals, you know, have you even really been there? <laughs> right. If you only speak to the, your fellow travellers, I mean, um, of course you you can stay there for a week or even a month, and you haven't spoken to anybody that actually lives there. And I think that's um, uh, that you know, then then you have misunderstood the concept of travel in, in my mind. Gunnar, have you done many podcasts before? I don't know, four or five maybe, perhaps, and then and loads of radio shows. Um, but yeah, uh, a few. <laughs> uh, I'm sh- I mean, uh, I guess I'm leading to something, but I'm sure you've heard of Joe Rogan here in the States. So Joe Rogan is a is a comedian and um, he's a commentator for mixed martial arts for the UFC, uh, but he has I think like top two podcasts in, in in the world. If you look at iTunes metrics, like he's always number one in terms of downloads and things like that. And I would say his demographic is skewed more towards like eighteen to thirty five ish uh, male demographic. Um, but he's constantly talking about following your passion. Um, a lot of like allusions to like Joseph Campbell and, and, and like the hero's journey and things like that and living a fulfilling life. And I think that uh, anyone who's listening should like definitely uh, tweet at him or, or, or send him your information because I think that uh, you're a, a great candidate to be on his podcast. He does like these long format three hour conversations. Um, but I think this is important stuff for, for, for a lot of people to hear. So um, I'd love to see you on something like that. Three hour conversations. I don't think I, I can. I can make that. <laughs> <laughs> that's too much talking. Eh? <laughs> but thank you very much. That, that's nice of you to say. But uh, yeah, if he gets in touch, I'll, I'll show you back soon. <laughs> I don't have much pull, but we will. We'll, we'll, we'll see what we can make happen. Um, I know that we've been really, and I love your message. Is really one of of positivity. Um, but we all do have the the few disaster stories that we have. Mine always involve uh, eating or drinking the wrong thing and then uh, curling up uh, in the corner of a bathroom somewhere in Southeast Asia and trying uh, not to die for five straight days. Uh, Do you have any disaster stories that come to mind from your world travels? Well, I've been quite lucky. Maybe one instance, uh, I was in Gabon in Africa. I was walking on uh, one of the main streets. It's quite well lit. Um, and suddenly two guys, two local guys, they, they jump at me and, and, you know, they drag me into a small side alley. Whoa. And, uh, you know, they're robbers. And, um, well, I should probably just, you know, give them all my money and everything, but I, I just fought back. I became so um, cross, so pissed off, excuse my language. <laughs> uh, but, you know, so, so somehow I managed to drag them back into the lit main street. Oh, my God. And, uh, you know, just not thinking that it might have guns or knives or whatever. Uh, they didn't. And they even had a taser gun. Well, they had a taser gun at me, which they kept firing. Whoa. And either I was so mad that I didn't react to it, but it was buzzing, and you, you saw these lights coming from it. So it was, um, uh, I don't know, I just, it was almost like like I snapped. I was so mad, and I said, like, you're not going to take my passport for one or my money. Uh, but they, they managed to steal my phone, which was a knackered old, old phone, so it didn't really matter. Uh, but, you know, that, that's, um, that's probably the most scary thing I, I uh, 
of that encountered. And luckily, you know, after visiting every country and, and you know, many of them uh, several times, it's, um, I guess it's not too bad. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, God, that that is scary, though. <laughs> you, like, after some, do you go to the police or are you just like, all right, I made it out, I'm okay, like, time to get out of here? My shirt was all thorn and everything, so uh, I sort of tried to hold it together and I walked back to my hotel. And um, yeah, just some practical issues, you know, blocking my SIM card and, and stuff like that. Yeah. My SIM card didn't work in, in Gabon anyway, there was no roaming there. So they didn't really uh, misuse it for free, you know, expensive calls or, or whatever. Um, and my passport was safe, my money was safe, my wallet was safe. So um, yeah, it was sort of like. Um, you know, uh, just sorting out practical issues and then and then going to bed. So, <laughs> but yeah, it was. Uh, of course, it, it was not. Um, I, yeah, I, I should probably have um, taken a taxi. You know, I've yeah. just been to a restaurant and I was going to go back to my hotel. And um, yeah, maybe it's the wrong, the wrong part of town in, in Libreville, the, the capital. There. But um, you know, I, I survived to tell the tale, so so it's all good. But you know, I'm I'm, I'm thankful they did not have knives or anything. Yeah, that's um, that would have been bad. <laughs> oh, for sure. Um, the book is hopefully out in October. Um, after that point, what what's next? What's your next project? Are, are there places that you want to go back to and explore more? traveling mm. you know so that's uh that's for sure and um, you know i've been to every country but there are so many places I, I still haven't been to um so so definitely more more traveling um i also have a cabin uh, <laughs> a log cabin i built with one of my brothers up mm. in northern norway um so uh, and in the summers uh, i go there with um with my girlfriend and uh, her uh, cat <laughs> that loves it up there in, in the wilderness. Um, so maybe spend some more time there. And I mean, when I say traveling, you know, it does not exclude my own country. I, I love traveling in Norway. Mm. So um, we will see. I mean, I, I like writing books because, uh, and the best thing about writing books is, is I guess I get feedback from, from readers, uh, as you probably do on, on, on your podcast. Um, and people are inspired. They have questions, and you know, some even write old-fashioned letters. You know, you know, telling me uh, that I've, I've helped perhaps open their eyes. Uh, somebody said, you know, I didn't, I never thought it was possible to, to travel as much without quitting my job and selling my house. And you visited every country, um, you know, while working full time. It was amazing. And um, thank you so much for, you know, even uh, <laughs> making me think of that as a possibility. I can't remember whether it was a, it was a couple or it was a guy or, or a girl, uh, but this person or these person, they were definitely gonna, they were gonna not travel to every country, but they were gonna start traveling much, much more when they realized it was actually possible. You know, this kind of feedback really makes it, 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 it makes me feel um, happy to, yeah, to, to hear sure. that. Um, so, um, and um, yeah. We will see. If, if nobody buys my next book, I, uh, I probably I probably won't write another one. But, uh, <laughs> we will see. <laughs> um, at this point, uh, folks will have listened to my intro already, so they know that I'll do um, I'll do a giveaway through my own social media of a uh, previously written book. Um, but before we close out, is there anything else that you want to plug? Any of your websites that people should specifically check out? find me uh, my name my last name is Garforce they can find me under Garforce on Instagram and on Twitter and the website is garforce.com where I uh, where I put out uh, this and that I, I think you read from it earlier um, unfortunately I haven't been updating my website as much as I wanted to lately because uh, well I'm, I'm writing a book and my deadline is a project so <laughs> but after uh, my deadline is May no sorry June 15th so after then I I, um, my website will uh, will um, be a little bit more active. Again. <laughs> yeah. But please check it out if, if you're into into uh, what should I say a little bit strange uh, destinations. <laughs> yeah, and all that stuff again is going to be in the show notes for people. Uh, so folks, just read that and, and you'll find all the links. Um, hey, Gunnar, thank you so much, man. This was uh, this was a real pleasure for me. And again, I appreciate that you uh, that you gave me the time and, and gave me your trust to do this. Really honored to be on your show, uh, Tim. Uh, thanks a lot for having me. It's, it's, it's been great.
<laughs> awesome. So let's keep in touch. I'm looking forward to hearing more about your upcoming travels. Yeah, maybe. Uh, make it uh, make one of them to to a country least uh, less visited, right? <laughs> oh, for sure. You have to promise me that. I'm gonna. I I am going to promise you that, and we'll keep in touch. And maybe at some point, I'll I'll see you out in the world too. <laughs>